Welcome to Homilies Plus. I'm Deacon Adam Conk, and each week I'll share with you one of my homilies, plus a great unscripted conversation further exploring the scriptures with guests from around the world. Whether you are a devoted Catholic or exploring your faith, join us for an encounter with God's Word through the Holy Scriptures. This week you'll hear my homily on magnanimity from the second Tuesday of Lent. The first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 1, verses 10 and 16 to 20, in which the Lord calls his people to repentance, to turn from evil and do good. The gospel passage is a continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12, in which our Lord warns his disciples not to imitate the scribes and Pharisees in their pride and vanity. Following the homily, we will be joined by Adam Minahan, marketing director for Exodus, whose mission is for men to be uncommonly free through apps that facilitate penance, prayer, and conversion. You can learn more at Exodus90.com. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. As we continue our Lenten journey, although it might have felt like 40 days by now, we're still only week two. So I just want to encourage you to keep going. Our gospel today is, is a direct challenge, a direct hit on a conversion we all need constantly, and that is the conversion away from pride. Pride is that greatest of the seven deadly sins, and really the foundational sin and vice of all sin. Pride is the disordered love of self to the exclusion of love of God. And as St. Augustine put it in his great work, The City of God, all of human history is the tale of two cities. One city, the city of God, built on love of God to the point of forsaking self. And the other city, the city of man, built upon the foundation of love of self to the point of forsaking God. And it really is this simple. Opposed to pride are actually two virtues. Of course, we know about humility. Humility is that tendency to put yourself in the lowest place. It comes from the word for ground, hummus. That we humble people tend to put themselves on the ground, to seek the lowest place, and to get their hands dirty with menial tasks and work, and actually prefer that. But the other virtue opposed to pride, which is essential, is magnanimity. Magnanimity is the tendency to do great things as great things are needed. And pride sits between the two. Because pride is a perversion of our desire to do great things that God put in our heart. We weren't created to do mediocre things. We weren't created to do okay things. We were created to do great things. The greatest of these is to live with God in the Blessed Trinity for all eternity. To know, love, and serve God and be happy with Him in the next life is a great task. It's a great vocation. But the, mag the magnanimous man is the one who seeks that great thing because God calls him to it, not because they want it for themselves. This is what our Lord is teaching. Whoever exalts himself, whoever seeks that greatness themselves will be humbled, lowered to the ground. Even our Lord himself as he was exalted on the cross, accomplishing the greatest work 
any human will ever accomplish. He did not lift himself on the cross, but he was exalted first by God's will for him, by the Father's will that he should die for us and accomplish the great work of salvation. He did not seek that for himself. As St. Paul says in his second chapter of his letter to the Philippians, although he was in the form of God, he didn't grasp at it, but rather he emptied himself. So the cross is an emptying of this great man who is Jesus. And he was exalted before others and even by others on the cross to accomplish the great work of salvation. And so pride can be a a nasty thing because it could lie hidden in our hearts. We may not realize pride in our own hearts, but we will find it if we ask ourselves the questions, where am I not willing to lower myself in humility, but also where am I not willing to be great if God calls me to it? And pride will be in the middle of these two things. And so the Christian seeks Humility seeks to humble themselves constantly, but also seeks to accomplish the great things that God has created us to accomplish. This is why the saints are an example for us, because the saints live a great human life. They don't just accomplish great things in the world. Some do. Some are kings. Some are founders of religious orders. They accomplish great things. But every canonized saint decides that they were going to be great Christians, not mediocre, not so-so. And it's not that they're different from you and I. It's not that they're made of different stuff. They have the same weaknesses and temptations that you and I have. But they're humble enough to realize that saints don't become saints because they were created saints, but because God calls them to be so. It is God's will for them. And so, in our first reading, Isaiah's call to repentance Cease doing evil, learn to do good, is a lifelong task. It's not something we get out of the way in catechism class or CCD and we're done with that and now we're good people. No, it's a lifelong task. And it's only pride that would tell us we're done. We're good people, we go to mass, we say our prayers, we give to the poor, we're done converting. If that were true, we wouldn't have the season of Lent for all of us, it would just be for new converts. But all of us go through the holy season of Lent because we all need to change. And it would be pride that would tell us otherwise. And in fact, it's in the changing, it's in the conversion that we find the greater life that God calls us to. When we're set free from our pride, we can do the great thing God is actually calling us to do. In our gospel, our Lord highlights the scribes and the Pharisees as examples not to follow. It was their pride that actually led to his death on the cross. It was them unwilling to change their own hearts and their own lives that were too concerned about other people's lives and other people's business. They were unwilling to look at their own life. That's what led to the death of Christ on the cross. And it is for us too. The first need for conversion is always our own. And our mind and our heart can be occupied with everybody else's need for conversion. And that leads to death in our own life, in our own soul. Or we can occupy our mind with our own need for conversion. How we need to be more humble, but also seek the great things God's calling us to do and to settle for nothing less. And so today as we contemplate this challenge from our Lord, 
to put our pride in check. We can do an examination of conscience using today's gospel. That our Lord calls us to do great things with humility. Where am I saying no? Because that's the word for pride. The fiat for humility and greatness is Our Lady's fiat. Let it be done to me according to your will. It's both humble, I am the handmaid of the Lord, but great, let it be done that she would become the queen and mother of all of God's people. The antithesis to this is Satan himself who says, no, I will not serve. He has a better plan for his life than God's plan. And so where are we saying no to the Lord in pride? And during this holy season of Lent, may our penances and sacrifices root this out of us so that come Easter, we're ready to live a greater life for the Lord. Amen. Thrilled to welcome now to the conversation, Mr. Adam Minahan. Hello, Adam. Hey, Deegan. It's great to hear, hear your voice. Great to see you again. It's been a while. Yeah, as I was preparing for the conversation today, I was thinking about the first time we met, which was, uh, I guess, almost 10 years ago now, 2015, at an EWTN radio conference. And uh, we were both into Catholic radio at the time. And I was thinking about all the crazy things God has done in between then and now in both of our lives. It's kind of wild. Yeah, man, what a what a cool time to to be able to meet with you. Like to we were in you know Hansville, Alabama, where Mother Angelica you know started all Catholic radio, and I looked over and I saw you, and you saw me, and we we're like, hey, let's go have dinner together. And uh, it was just really cool to share share stories with one another about Catholic radio, how it's impacted our lives, and uh, you know, it it really kind of was the seed of of a, of a friendship that lasted that's lasted for ten years, which has been just so cool to be able to. Um, meet you there, and then get get a chance to meet with your family and and pray mm-hmm. with your family. And man, what a what a uh, cool opportunity there! Yeah, and, and since then, I mean, you've been involved with Catholic media the whole way. The Catholic Man Show, of course, is uh, the best Catholic podcast on the planet. Um, it's been <laughs> what eight years? Yeah, I think I think uh, coming up in April will be eight years. Yeah, man, that's like two high school careers right there. I don't know if that means that we should hang it up or, or what we should do, but uh. <laughs> no, keep going, keep going. Um, and uh, lately, because of all your all your great work you've been doing, the uh, team at Exodus ninety has tapped you as the new marketing director. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, back in uh, the beginning of December, I, I joined the Exodus team. Uh, you know, Exodus has had such an impact in, in, on my life. Um, it really changed the way I prayed. It really gave me the opportunity to enter into like the contemplative life, maybe plant the seeds of a contemplative life uh, mm-hmm. and really ki- gave me discipline and order uh, with the, my prayer life. And so it impacted me so much uh, before I even started working for Exodus 90. And so when I had the opportunity to work for him, I was like, man, what, what a gift to be able to give back to other men this this gift that I've received in, in, in really this uh, a prayer and relationship with with our Lord. So it's just been nothing but a blessing. Yeah, what a great fit for you. I mean, I remember the first time I met you, our conversation tended towards how great things could be done for the Lord, which touches on our topic today, which is why I thought about you exactly, is that you've never seemed to me to be a Christian content with the mediocre or the status quo, but you know, that the great God deserves great things to be done, especially by men. 
um, that mm. are created for greatness. And, uh, and so you've just been very passionate about that. And I've seen that theme over and over again on the Catholic Man Show and other work you do that uh, men are called to be great. And so what an amazing work you do now to set, help set men free for that great life they've been called to live. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pope, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth talks about you know how how we're we're made for greatness. We're not made for comfort. The world gives us comfort, but we're made for greatness. We're we're called to this great adventure with with Christ. And and the beautiful thing about this, Deacon, and you know this very well, is is the more that you fall deeper in love with our Lord, the more that you you have this adventure with Him, the more you just can't help but desire to share it with others. Uh, and so. Um, I, I just think that some men today, when the, they are they are existing, but they're not living. They're not living in Christ. And so once you once that door is open and cracked for our Lord, like the Lord just like comes in, just barges in, and, and, and takes over, and just says like I love you so much, and wraps his arms around you, and and really gives, just gives you the opportunity to to live for Him during this lifetime. And that reminds me of how our Lord ended the gospel reading from today is whoever exalts himself is humble, but whoever humbles himself is exalted. And it it seems like, especially when as men, we're willing to get to that point of true humility. We also find that point of true magnanimity where God's call to our life begins to become uh, loud, you know, and it becomes our passion, Mm -hmm. becomes our drive. And we discover that great adventure we're created to live, but it takes that humbling, I guess that, uh, crashing down of all the towers we've built and the plans we've had for our life, right? Yeah, Deacon, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I was reflecting on, on this gospel. And when, when, we're, when we're talking about the Pharisees, you know, they, they're desiring to do all these things uh, for show, right? And, 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 and Jesus clearly is t- stressing like that this is not the way to have public ministry. But mm-hmm. I almost have like a little bit of a like heart for the for the Pharisees in this aspect because they desire love, they desire to be loved, and that's what we're all called. We're all I mean we all are made for love. We're all we desire this love, right? But the problem is is they have this disordered love that is geared towards the, a higher. Like they're putting a the people a, ahead of God. They desire to be loved by the people more than they desire to, to fulfill their duty or their vocation to God. And so they're putting this, this love that they have, that, that our hearts are, are, are restless for, right, for this love, they're putting that desire into finite creatures. What happens whenever you put this love into finite creatures, right? It's never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to be satisfied. Uh, and so the, the, the Lord is... is, is calling us constantly to him saying uh, that I'm calling you to great things. I'm calling you to, 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 to build our kingdom, to build, to build his kingdom. But it's, it's because it's for him. It's not for us. And it's not to get mm-hmm. uh, the shout outs or the likes or the clicks or, you know, all of the notoriety uh, that, that the world is wanting to give us. Uh, and so while I kind of see why the Pharisees want you know, there's notoriety because we want to be loved. It's just a disorder or it's just like a uh, inappropriate way of ordering this love uh, disproportionate to, to what we're called for. What are your thoughts there? Man, I think, I think you're hitting the nail on the head of what our Lord was seeking to communicate in, to his disciples because he, he knows he's working with men 
and women, but men in particular, at that point in his ministry, he knows he's working with men and that men desire greatness. They desire adventure. They desire to be great. And he knows that because he created them that way, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I think you and I have a mutual spiritual uh, friend in Father Garrigou Lagrange. Mm. And he said, oh, yes. the, he said the issue with people, you know, like this, he didn't, we weren't talking about the scribes and Pharisees specifically, but he said the issue with that type of pride and vanity is that we desire the high place, but without the thousand humiliations that it takes to do that job well. So think mm-hmm. of like being a pastor, being a father, or being, um, you know, it's any leadership position that the Lord would call us to, to do any job well the way God wants. There's a thousand humiliations no one ever knows about that you have to go through to be the great father, to be the great pastor, to be the great husband, and how the scribes and Pharisees seem to want that great position, but without the humiliations it comes with. And so this beautiful balance of humility and magnanimity that, yeah, you're called to greatness, but that means it's a call to roll up your sleeves and do a thousand humble tasks that no one ever knows about. And that's where the scribes fall short. Yeah, that's exactly right. So there's some people will come up to me when when they maybe hear the Catholic Man Show or they may hear Catholic Radio in general, and they'll say like, "Hey, I'm I'm ready to start a men's group in my parish, or I'm ready to take on this men's ministry. What's the first step that I should do? What should I do?" And the first thing I always ask them is, is immediately, "How's your prayer life?" Hmm. Because like if uh, you know, and Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa is a great example of this, right? Before she went out and served the poor, before she went out and, and clothed the naked and, and fe- fed the hungry and give thirst to those who are thirsty, what did she do? She spent time with our Lord in the morning, you know. So so she she just poured herself out to our Lord. The Lord filled her up, and then she was able to 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 give that back to the Lord. So I mean, in the soul of the apostolate. They talk, it talks about all the time how you have to have an ordered and prayer life before you can give anything. And this goes for fatherhood. This goes for, for to be a husband. Like, you know, if you want to lead your family in prayer, like you, you have to have the prayer life, you know, and that means like in Matthew seven, when it talks about going in in quiet where no one has seen you and pray to our father in secret uh, and, and like spend time with him and waste time with him right it's like when you fall in love with somebody like you, you know deacon when when you first uh were courting your wife and you took her out to to dinner you were asking you guys were probably playing like that like maybe the 21 questions game where you guys were just sitting there trying <laughs> to figure each other out talking one another right like trying to ask all these questions yeah but now uh you know you guys can go out to dinner maybe if you get a chance without the children like maybe once every in a blue moon uh <laughs> You know, you 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 get to the restaurant and you'll sit down, and you just want to spend time. You, like you actually don't, aren't even talking a whole lot. You're just enjoying each other's company, and this is what happens whenever you you take an intentional prayer life, right? And at first, you kind of see, oh, I have all these questions and wanting to ask the Lord of all these things, and then as you continually grow in this prayer life, you realize, like, no, 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 Lord, I just want to spend time with you and hear your voice. And know that you love me. And know that as I walk into this chapel to spend time with you, you've been waiting 2,000 years for this very moment. Wow. You know, so like, so those are the kind of things that I think about, like, especially like when it comes to the, uh, you know, 
Matthew chapter 23, when we're talking about public ministry, is that like there's no way you can have this public ministry and build up the kingdom of God without first having Christ in your heart first, right? And thank mm-hmm. God for his church and the sacraments to be able to live a sacramental life to build upon this. But, um, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of what uh, the difference between what the apostles were, were, were called to do and, and kind of what the Pharisees were doing. No, that's great. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, and I'll, I'll uh, brag on you a little bit. You won't brag on yourself. Uh-oh. That would be Uh-oh. prideful. But, I mean, in your young life, you've already lived the type of life that a lot of Catholic men dream of, you know. Um, you have a beautiful family. You've been working for the Lord directly for, you know, over, over a decade. I'm sure longer than that since I've known you. Um, and you've accomplished great things for the Lord that really build the kingdom and, and, and move the needle for the kingdom of God in your own city, but also throughout the country. I mean, you've, you are a great Catholic man, right? But um, I think one of the troubles with most men is that when they see Catholic men like this that are, you know, maybe even in a public way living out this, this call from the Lord or whatever, they kind of think like Adam Minahan's got it all together. He's never like <laughs> oh, <man>. worried. <laughs> about stuff he always trusts in the lord he must he must not have struggles or temptations like me um and i think that's one of the temptations about us men settling for a mediocre life as a christian is that we look at men that we see as great and we're like well i'm not him like there's no way i could and i'll never trust the lord like that i'll never be able to just risk it all for jesus the way somebody like adam minahan says so what would you say to somebody like that if that's where they're at right now oh man um I, I I must have fooled you, uh, you know. Because if you talk to my if you if you talk to my wife or you talk to some of my best friends, uh, they would be able to tell you a little bit differently. Uh, so two things come to mind is, is that uh, when I see the times in which the Lord has has used me to grow His kingdom, it has nothing to do with me, right? Like we started a Catholic radio station, and I had no experience with it whatsoever, and in, in the Catholic radio world, and he grew it. I just said yes. Uh, I said yes. I will do your will. Like this is what you want me to do. Fine, Lord. I will. Th- th- I will do that. And he grew it. I didn't do it. Like that was none. No, nothing that I did. Um, also, like I think the second thing is that when you talk about um, this almost despair, or almost like this looking at somebody else and say like, "There's just no way I can do that." This is this is like the beginning steps. I think of what the devil plays right so he he divides and conquers he wants to pull you away from other like-minded men and then he wants to tell you oh i can't do that uh i'm i'm the only like only one struggling with this sin or i'm the only one that can't can't do this look at everybody else that has it all together and so this is so important this i think this this goes to the importance of having good catholic friends around you that keep you accountable right the whole iron sharpens iron um, to where you can get together in fraternity and, and, and talk about the things that you're struggling with. Talk about like, how do I, hey, ha, hey guys, how are you ordering your p- family prayer life at night? Because ours is chaotic, you know, and, or, you know, I'm really struggling with it, with it, whatever type of sin. How, like, will you guys please pray for me and let, let's sacrifice together on Friday uh, with this intention. Uh, and this is the beauty of what XS90 gives as, as well, right? Because it's a, it's a weekly meeting of like-minded men that get together and really have this examination 
of conscience and examination of what they've done for the week and say, like, here's where I've succeeded and here's where I failed and where did I fall and where I fell, what was it that led me to that so I can avoid that in the future? Mm. Uh, So those are kind of the two things that that came to mind when you asked that. Yeah, and that, that makes me think of, you know, our Lord says, call no man on earth rabbi, no man on earth father, no man on earth master. You have one, it's the Christ. And, you know, it is interesting, as soon as we have some success in this world, even in the church feels like our podcast as well, or they really liked our, whatever, like our head just tends to swell just a little bit. But like oh, to yeah. remind ourselves, like it's really not about, like there's only one master, there's only one Christ, and that's Jesus. And any great work we do, uh, could have been done by anyone that God called, but it's it's the Lord that's the great one that impacts people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when your head fills like that, like you know, when you we have this like pride that comes in. Remember, like it's the desire because you wanted to be loved, right? Mm-hmm. You, like it's like, oh, look, somebody's paying attention to me. But the Lord like created you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you, and He loves you just the way you are, and He's calling you to do these great things. And if you fall, like this is the reason why he's given us the sacrament of confession. And so you run to confession and run into his merciful arms and say, I'm sorry. And I won't do this again. And he forgives you. And you know, you're the prodigal son all over again. And, and, (laughs) and, and you do these great things because he desires them, not because of you, not because of anybody else, but, but because he desires them for you. Well, I guess that, that, resonates with the first reading from Isaiah, this call to conversion Mm. for God's people. So these are already God's people. They already belong to him, but they're hearing the message, put away your misdeeds and cease doing evil, learn to do good. Um, And I I think that's one of the beauties, you know, when I did Exodus 90, you, you don't really know how enslaved you are to certain things, certain pleasures, certain comforts that maybe aren't even sinful in and of themselves, but they they do impact your ability to function as a man and as a Christian. But even more than that, you know, you don't really know how how much pride has seeped into your heart and to your soul until you're willing to go into the desert and do battle with it, like like our Lord did, right, with with the devil himself in the forty days in the desert. Like there is there needs to be a time of set aside battle with the depths of our hearts where those attachments are still there, um, those hurts, those wounds that might be causing us to seek love in all the wrong places like you were talking about. And so, um, I don't know, can you, can you speak to us about your own journey with, with that idea, especially in the Exodus 90 world, and, and why, is, why does it work? Like, why does it work to invite men into this, this battle intentionally? I mean, there's plenty of apps that'll make, Christianity comfortable. Your app makes Christianity completely uncomfortable. Like, why? Why does it work? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you bring up some really great points, Deacon. Because when I first did Exodus ninety, like as you go through the list of asceticisms, there were several on on, on that list that I thought, like, no problem, not going to be an issue. I that's not one I'm worried about. And then it's really interesting on day fifty, day fifty five, day sixty. All of a sudden, the things that you thought you weren't worried about are kind of creeping in, mm-hmm. right? It's all of a sudden like, oh, I actually do like this. Oh, I, ooh, I actually do want to eat in between meals. Uh, and so like this Christian asceticism is only ordered so that way we can govern our passions and quiet our appetites so that we can hear the Lord, 
right? The, the end goal of, of asceticism is unity with God. And anything outside of that is almost like stoicism, right? We're not stoics. Uh, we, we, uh, we desire our Lord. And so like there's redemptive suffering. And so uh, the, the goal of asceticism is that we can quiet the things that are of us so that we can hear our Lord in, in the whispers that he has, like, you know, the power of silence by Cardinal Seurat, he talks about this, right? That, 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 our, that our Lord talks, speaks in whispers, that, that silence is his language. And so the world is constantly, like, desiring our attention. It's constantly making noise. You have your cell phone right there that buzzes at you every five minutes, you know, and, and there's lights and flashing and noises and sounds and everybody's trying to get your attention. And if you don't quiet those appetites, if you don't quiet those senses, it's very hard to hear our Lord. And if we're constantly being distracted by other things in our day-to-day lives, we shouldn't expect to not be distracted when we go to prayer because we've tr- like conditioned ourselves to be distracted, right? Like how many often do you see guys in the middle of a conversation pull out their phone? It's like, hey, I'm right mm-hmm. here. We're talking, you know, but, but they're distracted. Uh, and so like, those, those, like if we're distracting ourselves constantly, obviously that's going to happen in prayer. And so the goal of Exodus 90 is, 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 is to, to, to obtain this uncommon freedom in Jesus Christ, right? Is, is to be able to, I must in, decrease so he may increase. And how do we do that? But we do that by quieting our appetites. The things that uh, uh, you know are are concupiscible and wrathful appetites, and uh, be able to have a relationship with God and do it in community with one another, because that's what we're that's how we were made, right? That's how the, our Lord wove us is to be in communion with one another. And so those are the three things that Exodus ninety I think does really well, and and, and has we've seen a lot of fruit from it from other men is because we need one another. So it has a fraternity aspect. We need to be able to govern our appetites because if we can't say no to ourselves, how are we supposed to say no, no, whenever something is coming to our family? How are we supposed to say, how are we supposed to sacrifice for our wives and for our children if we can't say no to ourselves? And so uh, it has a, a, a pillar of asceticism. And then obviously, again, Asceticism only lead is only good so that we have unity with God. And how do you have unity with God? But that's in prayer. Man, you get me so uh, motivated. You know, it's almost like the call to greatness is the call to asceticism, particularly for men. It's like the same exact call. I mean, you can't be a great Catholic Christian man and be effeminate and be attached to all kind of pleasure because it just doesn't work. Uh, right. the, the grit and the backbone and the, um, the adv- adventure and journey that a great man has to do by living that great Christian life. You can't do that comfortable. Like it's not, it's not a comfortable life, which is, I guess why our Lord said, take up your cross daily and follow me. But, um, you know, this, this, this message is unique and Exodus 90's message is unique. And because Worldly Christianity would say the exact opposite, that you're the, you're the best Catholic when you've got the, you know, you've got all the popularity and you've got all the likes and you've got the, you know, you're comfortable, you're making all the money. And I mean, that's, that's really this constant temptation that we think um, greatness has to do with me 
meeting every goal I have in life, but really greatness is me dying completely to every goal I have in life. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, let me let me just uh, this is part of a prayer that we pray at Exodus. Uh, it's a prayer to Saint Joseph. And it's really beautiful. It, this is only the second half of the prayer, but I think it really hits home. It says like that we may work above all with purity of intention and detachment from self having always death before our eyes and the account that I must render of time lost, of talents wasted, of good omitted, and of vain complacency in success, so fatal to the work of God. Oof. So like we pray that prayer every day uh, at Exodus 90, but I, th- I mean, I think that's, that's, that's the, that hits the nail on the head with magnanimity, right? Is that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's going to be, you're going to have your final judgment and God is going to show you all the things that he desired for you in this life and all the things he could have done through you to grow his kingdom. And there's going to be times where you, you will have talents wasted, that you will have good omitted, that you will have this vain complacency of success, which was fatal to God's work. Mm. And so like, those are things that we need to be thinking about as Christian men is like, where is it that I have become slothful? Where is it that I've let the noonday devil seep into my soul and I've been just complacent with where I am? Because that's not a, that's not a Christian man. That's not, that, that is complacency and that is not what we're called to do. Uh, and so our, we only have a short amount of time on, the, in this, on this world, right, to, to work for our Lord. And then we get to, hopefully we get to, to rest in him for all of eternity. But we're not made to rest right now. You know, like, like you know, we need to be leisurely people, like leisurely men, right? But in the true sense of leisure, uh, mm-hmm. so that we can one day hear, well done, good and faithful service, servant, may you rest in peace, rest in his peace. Wow, Adam, this has uh, got me very motivated for my second week of Lent, so I thank you so much for your time. And remind us how we could find uh, you and the Exodus team. Sure. If you uh, download our app, Exodus 90 app, uh, it's not too late to join our the Lent with Exodus. We have s- some great reflections. that We have Dr. Jared Stout. Are you aware of, uh, do you know Dr. Jared yeah, Stout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was guy. at the Augusta Institute, right? Yes, absolutely. And so he's right. He's been writing some reflections for us, and he also has a. If you don't know how to pray, if you if this has kind of spurred the moment for you, where you're like, okay, I want to learn how to pray. Uh, I want this relationship with God. Dr. Jared Stout has written uh, this series called "Teach Me to Pray." It's in the Exodus app, Exodus ninety app. Go to download.exodus90.com, and it's just this beautiful uh, story. Really, he's written it in a story form of being able to teach people how to pray. So access, that's it. you can go to access90.com, but to get the app, download.access90.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Adam. Man, it's been a blast. Thanks so much. It's great to see you. Yep. We'll talk soon. All right. All right.